0: Pastor, I appreciate your kind encouragement. And I'm telling you, I was met in the parking lot by Brother Jeff, and it, it just, uh, it, it's, it's not stopped until, uh, until now. You have been just amazingly friendly and welcoming, and we just feel uh, warmly received here tonight. Even I told Pastor Tony, I said, uh, and don't you appreciate the Archbishop of Licking County? <laughs> wow. What a wonderful man. What a wonderful man. I just met him. I've talked to him a few times on the phone. I knew I was going to like him when talking to him. But uh, I told the pastor, I said, even the, 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 the teenagers are just engaging and warm and, and just uh, so, so friendly. So thank you. It's a joy to be with you here in camp meeting on a Monday night. Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to a familiar passage in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. I saw so many of you carrying your copy of the scriptures with you into the sanctuary tonight, and uh, that encourages me. Uh, if you want to follow along closely uh, to what I will be sharing tonight, you can also turn to Genesis chapter 12, and we will go. Becoming the friend of God, I'm hopeful that God will connect that story to our story tonight, And before we leave, we maybe will need to build one of these four types of altars. Let me talk to you just briefly at the beginning here about the significance of altars before we get into those four altars that Abraham built. The significance. What is the significance of altars? Well, first of all, altars symbolize connecting. Altars symbolized connecting, or giving, or, or, or saying something to God. In Abraham's life, in your life, altars symbolized connecting or saying something to God. Altars were places where the divine and the human worlds interacted. Altars were places of exchange, of communication of influence by the divine upon the human, God always responded actively to altar activity in the Bible. So the first thing I want you to remember is about these altars we're going to build. Altars symbolize connecting with God or saying something to God. Secondly, altars symbolize consecrating or giving something to God. Building an altar means implementing the necessary steps of making an offering to God. If we build the altar but we never make a sacrifice, the altar really is of no value. So altars are not only symbolizing connecting or our saying something to God, but it is also symbolizing consecrating or my giving something to God. We'll see that tonight. And then the third thing I would say in introduction about altars is altars symbolize changing or being transformed by God. We we don't meet God at an altar without being changed. I I, I know that's why you've come to camp meeting summer 2023 is because you want to live in a relationship with God. And I'm suggesting that from Abraham's example that you and I need to build symbolically, of course, but we need to build some altars to God in our lives. And that first altar that Abraham built is at Genesis chapter 12, verse 5. It says, Abraham departed to go to the land of Canaan and they came to the land of Canaan, Genesis 12, verse 5. When he got to Canaan, the Bible says, he built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. He got to Canaan, he built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. Canaan, in the Bible, is synonymous with the land of promise. It's the place that you and I move into by faith. It was true for Abraham here. It was true for his offspring later. The nation of Israel, of course, left Egypt's bondage and moved to Canaan. It symbolizes the place to which God wants you to move. Abraham, God said, leave Ur and go to a place that I want you to live. Go to a place that I will show you Israel, God said, leave Egypt. I'm going to take you out of Egypt, a symbol of bondage, and I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan, a symbol of blessing. God wants every one of us here tonight to leave places of bondage and live in a place of blessing. That's what Canaan represents. So Abraham, verse 5, departed to go to Canaan. And when he gets there, verse 7, Genesis 12, it says, There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Remember I suggested that Abra- uh, altars are symbolic of connecting or saying something to God. The first altar Abraham builds is this one here. After he concludes his journey from Ur to Canaan, he builds an altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. I would like to call this altar the altar of reaching for God. This is an altar of reaching For God. Abraham gets here and he realizes I'm a stranger here. I don't don't know much about this place. And if I'm going to live here I'm going to have to have God's presence in my life. Hey church you and I are no no different from that. If we're going to live lives of faith in this foreign world to faith you and I are going to need God in our lives. And we're going to have to build an altar and the first altar we must build in our lives is an altar of reaching for God. Can I, can I ask you tonight, have you ever built an altar to God? Is there, is there a place in your life, can you, can you point to a, a time, a, a moment where you, 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 you said something to God in reaching for God, out of a place of need, out of a place of desperation, you built an altar where you reached for God. That's what Abraham's doing here. There's no real crisis. He's just settling in here, and he's like, you know, God's been faithful. He's brought me to this place. I need to to build an altar to God. I need to build an altar, and I'm going to reach. And he called on the name of the Lord. What exactly he said, we don't know. But the Bible says this, as many as shall call on the name of the Lord our God shall be saved. Is there a place and time on this Monday night of camp meeting that you can say, yes, Brother Dwayne, I have called on the name of the Lord in confessing my sin and repenting of my sin and putting my faith in Jesus Christ as my only hope of heaven. And I reached for God. I'm telling you, if you reached for Him, He reached for you. God reaches farther than we can reach. His reach is better than our reach. But if you'll reach for God, God will reach you. And there will be that altar of reaching, which I said to you, it's a place of connecting with God. Abraham reaches, reaches for God. And then we read that there's a famine that comes to the land. I talked about that just a little bit. Unfortunately, Abraham didn't remain in Canaan. After he settles there, he doesn't doesn't stay there for, for very long due to a famine, and I believe due to Abraham's fear. We eventually find him in Egypt, right? Doubting God. He doesn't believe that God can provide for him in Canaan in a famine, and so he goes to Egypt. Egypt is always in the Bible a type of sin and a place that is separate from God's blessings in our life. And Abraham goes to Egypt and he doubts God. He denies his wife. Do you remember that? He says to the Pharaoh, she's not, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Well, she was his half-sister, but how many of you know that a half-truth is a whole lie? And, and, and he's just doubting God and he's lying about things. And in this time of unfaithfulness on Abraham's part, there was a faithful God who would not leave him alone, just as there is in your life and as there is in my life, in our, in our journeys to Egypt at times in our past, God has been faithful. Amen, church? God, You wouldn't be here tonight, was it not for, a fa- not for a faithful God? And in this time of unfaithfulness on Abraham's part, God was faithful, and through protective grace, God gets Abraham out of Egypt. And in chapter 13, we read, Abraham leaves Egypt and all that it represented, and he came back. Look at, look at this. He came back to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, and here, verse 4, here Abraham calls on God at an altar which he had built. You see it? He comes to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord his God. You see that in chapter 13. This altar was the same place where Abraham had built an altar. And he comes back there and he worships the Lord again. He he comes back to this place between Bethel and Ai. Bethel in the Bible is is a name of a place and it means literally the house of God. Ai means a place of ruin. And that's really where Abraham is at this point in his life, isn't it? He's He's somewhere between the house of God and a place of ruin. He's he's coming back from Egypt, and he's coming back to God, and he's he's coming back to, to, to a place of returning to God. So let's call this the altar of not reaching for God, but of returning to God. The altar of returning to God. And I will tell you tonight that if you come into this service tonight and You've known God and you've lived in a wonderful relationship with Him. But tonight, you know that you are somewhere between Canaan and Egypt. And you've stepped out of a trust zone and you've stepped back into your comfort zone of of maybe calling the shots and running your life, and you're realizing, like Abraham did in Egypt, it's not working out very well, and you're sensing God's faithfulness, and and you'd like to build an altar to God, I I would encourage you to come back and repair the altar and, and make this an altar of returning, returning to God. There he called on the name of the Lord, his God. And it was while living here that Abraham... And he begins to grow in faith. He didn't trust God. He bails out. He goes to Egypt. But now that he comes back, he returns to God. He worships at this altar. He builds this altar. And he calls on the Lord. And he begins to settle in a deepening relationship with God. That really starts to mark him as being the man of faith. Now, a few details here. When Abraham went down to Egypt... It says that the Pharaoh gave him a lot of cattle and servants. He made him very wealthy. It also uh, says here in this section of Genesis 13 and and following that Abraham and Lot are living in Canaan, and and Abraham says to his nephew Lot, the land cannot, cannot sustain us. You've got too many herds and flocks. I have too many herds and flocks. Our servants are, there's strife among our servants. They're fighting among themselves. We can't live together. We need to separate. Now remember, it's Uncle Abraham and Nephew Lot. Who should be the one that gets to make the choice as to who lives where? It's Uncle Abraham, for sure. But here we start to see that this man is growing in faith. Because he says to his selfish nephew Lot, Lot, you pick where you want to go and live. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And vice versa. You just pick. And the Bible says that Lot lifts up his eyes and he looks toward the well-watered plains of Jordan, which were to the east. And Lot says, I think, Uncle Abraham, I'll take that. And Abraham is left with the hill country to be a a, a tender of flocks and herds. While Abraham goes to the well-watered plains, the grassy pasture land... Of the east? But here's what I read. When Lot walks away, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to look north. I want you to look south. I want you to look east. I want you to look west. Remember, Lot's going east. I want you to look in all directions because as far as you can see, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. You can trust God, church. You can trust God. You don't have to grab for things and manipulate life and reach for things. God, if you've if you relate, if you've reached for God and you've returned to God, maybe after some straying away in Egypt, God will take care of you. Amen. Jesus said it very clearly, didn't He? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Abraham is worshiping God. And in chapter 13, verse 18, it says that uh, during this time, Abraham moved his tent and he went and dwelt in a place called Hebron. After Lot goes off to Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot, Abraham, I'm sorry, goes to live in a place. You know what Hebron means? Hebron means the place of fellowship. Isn't that beautiful? Abraham is living now at a place of fellowship. And in fact, it says in verse 18, and there he built an altar to the Lord. I want to call this the altar. Not of reaching, not of returning, but the altar of relating to God. This is really where Abraham becomes the friend of God. And his faith gets so deep. It matures, it develops. In fact, you remember, Lot goes off to Sodom and Gomorrah and there's a confederation of kings that attacked the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and they took some prisoners of war and Lot was among them and Abraham learns about it. And Abraham takes 300 of his armed servants against five confederated armies. And he goes and God gives him the victory. And as he's coming back, the king of Salem and the king of Sodom meet Abraham. Abraham. And the king of Salem blesses Abraham. And the king of Sodom tempts Abraham by saying, listen, we want to pay you for what you've done for us. You've brought back our wives, our kids, our men. We thank you for bringing back the spoils that they took away from us. Thank you for doing this. We want to repay you. And here's what Abraham says. I will not take a shoelace from you. Because I don't want you to be able to say that you have made Abraham rich. You know why he's saying that? Because he trusts in the name of the Lord his God. And that happened at a place of living in fellowship with God. There were things that tested Abraham. There were tough times. But Abraham lived in Hebron, a place of fellowship with God. Oh, church. That doesn't happen in just a week at camp meeting. It happens. Dads, moms, it happens in the, in the daily grind of life of, of choosing to have an altar of relating with God. Of living in a relationship with God. Pastor Tony, I would love to hear this man preach. i got to go watch him online. You're online, right? I can watch the archive. i got to go watch him preach. I just need to come hear him preach sometime. But as, as wonderful as God helps him to preach... His sermons alone cannot sustain the life of God in you. You need to have an altar in your life that's built, that's that's maintained of relating, of living in a relationship with God where you walk with God, you're in God's Word, you're in communion with God, you're going through life together with God, you're trusting God for the, for the hard places of life. You are... What did we say? That the the process of living in relationship with God rises and falls on my willingness to repeatedly step out of the comfort zone into the trust zone of a life of obedient trust in relationship with God. The altar of relating to God. I wonder tonight if there's anyone here who's tired of coming and going from Egypt. You, you, you move to Canaan and then you move back to Egypt when life doesn't go the way you want it to. And then you move back to, to Canaan again because you get tired of the bondage and the, and the problems of Egypt. And then you go back to Canaan. Then you go back. And maybe tonight you're tired. I will tell you that tonight you can, before you leave here, build an altar of settling and relating to God in Hebron, a place of Fellowship. Now we come to the fourth and final altar, and it's in Genesis chapter 15. The Bible says, after these things, verse 1 The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? In other words, I don't have a son. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Verse 3, Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, not Eliezer, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5, Then God brought Abram outside and he said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And we read these words. And Abraham believed in the Lord. The very phrases that James later uses. Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And James would later add, and he was called the friend of God. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, for her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, 25 years after the land of promise, You read in Genesis 21, verse 1, Abraham finally gets the son, Isaac. Not Ishmael. Not the the son born to him in Genesis chapter 16, but 25 years later, he gets... Anybody here waiting on God for five years? Ten years? Twenty-five years? Some of you may be praying for an unsaved spouse. Don't give up. God hears the prayers you pray. As you call on His name at that altar relating, God hears those prayers. Some of you are praying for unsaved son, daughter, grandchildren. Don't give up. Don't give up. God's timing is not ours. Someone said he's too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. After 25 years, Genesis 21, the Lord visits Sarah. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Somebody needs to underline that. Genesis 21, verse 2, at the set time that God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. It's in the next chapter that we come to Abram's fourth and final recorded altar, chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. I like that. I like that. God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. It doesn't say it, but build an altar and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Abraham had built altars. He knew that when the altar is built, the sacrifice is offered. He knew that it meant the taking, the offering, the sacrificing of the life of an animal from his flocks or herds. He knew that. And God says to him after his son that he's lived with now for more than a decade, perhaps two, God says, I want you to take your son, Abraham, and I want you to offer him sacrifice to me every one of us here if we walk with God very long we've had some we've had some times when God has asked us to do some things that have been they've tested us haven't they but I can't get away from the level of faith and trust that this man has gotten to in his life Because it says in the next verse, after God gives His command in verse 2 of chapter 22, verse 3 reads like this. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And they're traveling together, Abraham and Isaac, carrying the bundle of wood and the fire, and two servants with them. And on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifts up his eyes and he sees the mountain, the place he's to go and offer his son. He's in the distance. He says to his servants, stay here with the, the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder, And worship and come again. No, 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 Abraham, you don't understand. God said, Offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice. He's not coming back, Abraham. And Abraham would have said to you, You know what? There have been times when I've questioned my Lord, but I don't anymore. Because I've learned when I built that altar of relating at Hebron and living in relationship with God, I've learned across the time that when I try to go to Egypt to take care of my family, I mess things up. I've learned that when Sarah says, take Hagar, that we mess things up. Have you learned that in your life? That, That when you try to take things into your own hands, and you help God with His instructions that, that we mess things up? And, God, and Abraham would have said to you, no. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust Him. God's never done anything bad to me. I, I trust Him. I don't understand it. I don't know. In fact, as they're walking along in verse 7, Silence is broken. My father. And Abraham says, "Yes, my son." He said, "Dad, I've been thinking. We have the wood, and we have the fire. We always brought an animal with us for the altar sacrifice. Where's the animal?" Hmm. Abraham chokes back tears, and swallows hard, and he says, "Clears his throat, my son." God will provide Himself a sacrifice. I have a friend who was preaching on a, at a camp meeting one Sunday morning. I've never forgotten this phrase. John Manley. You ought to get him here to preach for you sometime. John said on that day when Abraham and Isaac were trudging up one slope side of Mount Moriah, God was nudging the sacrificial ram up the other. Unbeknownst to Abraham and Isaac, but God was bringing him up to the top to meet that's our God, church. That's our God. My son, God will provide for Himself the Lamb for a burnt offering. And they came to the place. Verse 9. And Abraham built an altar there. The last altar we read that Abraham builds. He builds on Mount Moriah. He places the stone. He places the wood atop the stone altar can imagine the scene and then he turns to his son Isaac and says Isaac, some believe Isaac was old enough to have resisted Isaac son huh, I don't understand what God's asking me to do today but he's asking me to offer you as a sacrifice on this altar Son, as he takes his boy's face in both hands, you're the most precious thing to me. I, I waited for years for you. You know that I love you. But I, I must trust our God. And I must obey Him. And while I don't understand this, Isaac, we've built this altar today. i to offer you I don't know how it happened. Somehow or another, Isaac positions himself, maybe with Abraham's help, on the altar. And Abraham takes the knife. He looks up into the heavens to wait, maybe for some further instructions, a change in order. heavens are silent. You ever been there? He raises the knife. Plunge it into the chest of his son. And then he realizes a voice. Abraham! Abraham! And again Abraham said, Here I am. It pays to say that to God when He calls your name. Here I am. Oh, God said to him, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I Know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket. And he took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And as the sacrifice had ended and the worship had concluded, Abraham said, you know, Isaac, (laughs) <laughs> this, this place has been called Mount Moriah. You know, that means bitterness, son. It, it means bitterness. I think we ought to rename this mountain. Let's, let's rename the mountain. What do you want to name it, Dad? Well, let's, let's change it from the place of bitterness to the place where God provides. And what I want to say to you tonight is this, church. When I get to a place where I can release control of my life to God, it's at that place that bitterness then becomes a place where God provides. It becomes my my mountain of God's provision. Jehovah Jireh. Verse seventeen says of Hebrews chapter eleven by faith Abraham when he was. Tested. Offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. But it says that Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Because remember it said of Abraham, he was as good as dead anyway. When, when, when he fathered Isaac he was as good as dead so if God could bring him from the dead one time he could bring him from the dead another time Abraham built an altar of releasing to God trusting and so the last verse of the Bible that talks directly about Abraham is not in Hebrews it's in James And it says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. There's not any one of us in here tonight that can't be called the friend of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You may need tonight to build an altar of reaching for God. Maybe you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Tonight would be a good night for you to do that. You say, Brother Dwayne, how do I do that? You simply confess your sins. Agree with God that what you've done is wrong. Put your trust in Jesus Christ as the only one who can forgive your sin and give you heaven for eternal life. And the Bible says, as many as shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Maybe tonight you need to build an altar of returning to God. Maybe, maybe you've reached for God before, but you've strayed away. Tonight you need to return to Him. He's watching for you. He's waiting for you. And then you can build an altar of relating. And maybe someone tonight would like to just secure that altar a little bit in your life. The pressures of life, Jesus warned about, the stresses of life, causing us to get indifferent and cool off. Maybe you need to build that, repair that altar of relating, but maybe, maybe, maybe there's someone here tonight that you've been holding back on something you know God's wanting you to do. And Tonight, you want to climb Mount Moriah and watch God provide for you as you release to Him what you've been clutching to so tightly. Watch God provide for you. Why does this matter, Dwayne? Because from start to finish, The success of my relationship with God rises and falls on my willingness to repeatedly step out of my comfort zone into the trust zone of a loving, deepening relationship with God. I invite you to stand tonight and I'm going to ask Valor just to play something while you respond to whatever the Spirit of God may be saying to you tonight. Be a wonderful thing for you to come here, kneel around the front, seek the Lord tonight just before we gather for fellowship. I don't know exactly the nature of your need, and I don't need to know the nature of your need tonight. If you just want to come and talk to God as this service concludes tonight, why don't you come right now as she plays? Build an altar, build an altar to God where you connect with Him where you consecrate to Him, where your life is transformed and there's a changing that takes place. Amen. It's been a joy to be with you tonight. Pastor, we're going to turn it to you. Thank you.